Girl podcast, we're going to discuss treatment of the leptospirosis patient. Now, if you haven't already checked out our first three podcasts on leptospirosis, make sure to do that first. In the first podcast, we discuss mechanism of action, geographic distribution, and risk factors, while in the second Vet Girl podcast, we discuss transmission and clinical signs. In the third podcast on leptospirosis, we discuss clinical pathologic findings and diagnostic tests that we should use for diagnosing leptospirosis. In the next two podcasts, four and five, we'll focus on treatment. Treatment of the leptospirosis patient is aimed towards fluid therapy, antibiotic therapy, gastrointestinal support, supportive care, and monitoring. Let's start first with fluid therapy. In the leptospirosis patient, aggressive intravenous fluid therapy is indicated, as many patients are often massively polyuric, dehydrated, and azotemic. In general, a balanced maintenance isotonic crystalloid like LRS, Norm-R or plasmalite 148 can be used at 2.5 to 4.5 times maintenance, and monitoring of ins and outs may be necessary to guide treatment based on the severity of polyuria seen in patients with leptospirosis. The patient should be assessed carefully to ensure that volume overload does not occur, particularly in patients with cardiopulmonary disease. Fluid therapy should be continued until azotemia and clinical signs resolve, typically 2 to 4 days of hospitalization. Once this occurs, IV fluid should then be slowly tapered to ensure that polyuria has resolved and the patient can maintain hydration. Ultimately, our fluid rate is going to be based on our goals of fluid therapy. Now, serial physical examination is imperative to adequately evaluate a patient's hydration status. In other words, checking for return of skin turgor, appropriate weight gain, and moisture of mucous membranes. However, physical exam findings are subjective and less than 5% dehydration is difficult to assess on physical exam. The concurrent use of evaluation of packed cell volume, total solids, blood glucose, BUN, weight, urine output, urine-specific gravity, and thirst can all be used in conjunction with physical exam findings to better assess hydration status. Patients on IV fluids should have daily blood work including PCV, total solids, blood glucose, electrolytes, a renal panel or biochemistry panel assessed while hospitalized. Because patients often experience hemoconcentration when they're dehydrated, like a PCV total solids of 55 and 8, the goal of fluid therapy is to ensure that these numbers improve with appropriate therapy, consistent with hemodilution. Ideally, the packed cell volume in total solids and a normal, systemically healthy patient on IV fluids at sea level should be 35% and 5 grams per deciliter. In fact, Oxygen delivery is maximal at such a hemodilute PCV total solids, as there's less viscosity of red blood cells and sludginess. Note that some patients with leptospirosis may have a mild to moderate non-regenerative anemia. The goal should still be to hemodilute the patient, and total solids or total protein can be used as a more appropriate guide in this situation. Again, we can still evaluate the PCV total solids in abnormal, metabolically inappropriate patients. Classically, a 10 to 12% dehydrated, cachectic, geriatric cat with chronic renal failure may present to you with a PCV total solids of 28% and 11 grams per deciliter. Once that patient is adequately hydrated, the PCV total solids may decrease to 20% and a total solids of 7 grams per deciliter unmasking the anemia from lack of urethropoietin. Another thing we can look at is urine-specific gravity. In normal healthy patients, the urine-specific gravity can be evaluated in patients on IV fluids to help assess hydration status. Ideally, 
the urine-specific gravity should always be measured before fluid therapy to allow for evaluation of renal function. Dehydrated patients with concentrated urine demonstrate adequate renal function. So in cats, a urine-specific gravity greater than 1040, and in dogs, greater than 1025. In other words, the kidneys are working and trying to absorb as much water from the urine as possible. Once started on IV fluids, normal systemically healthy patients should have isocyanuric urine. Patients on IV fluids for greater than 6 to 12 hours should have an adequate dilution of their urine-specific gravity. And the ultimate goal of fluid therapy and adequate hydration should be a urine-specific gravity of 1015 to 1018 on IV fluids, even for cats. Patients on IV fluids with a urine-specific gravity greater than 1020 are still likely dehydrated and should be treated more aggressively with IV fluids if other parameters of dehydration persist, like hemoconcentration. Hydration can be determined by assessing the color, volume, and urine-specific gravity of urine. A patient that is still dehydrated while hospitalized on IV fluids may have decreased urine output and dark yellow urine, provided, for example, there's no pigmenturia, myoglobinuria, or bilirubinuria present. This is a result of antidiuretic hormone release and renin-angiotensin stimulation, resulting in maximum absorption of free water and sodium. Unfortunately, in the leptospirosis patient, polyuria and polydipsia may occur due to acquired nephrogenic diabetes insipidus. So all that I mentioned on urine-specific gravity doesn't really apply, unfortunately. We're unable to utilize urine-specific gravity as a guideline for hydration status with the leptospirosis patient most of the time. That leads me to urine output. Urine output should be monitored carefully, particularly in azotemic patients with leptospirosis. Fluid therapy should be directed towards achieving a hydrated state and matching ins and outs based on the patient's urine output. Note that normal urine output is 1 to 2 mils per kg per hour, but many of these leptospirosis patients present with severe polyuria. Again, one can assess the hydration status of the patient by evaluating the volume and urine-specific gravity of urine. Excessive urination with dilute clear urine may indicate copious or excessive IV fluid therapy, whereas concentrated urine may suggest ongoing dehydration and aggressive fluid resuscitation may be further warranted. If urine output is decreased, particularly in azotemic patients, fluid therapy and vasopressor support to increase renal blood flow should be initiated to prevent oliguria, 0.5 to 1 mL per kg per hour of urine, or anuria, less than 0.5 mL per kg per hour of urine. If urine output is decreasing and renal function is normal, based on creatinine, BUN, and pre-fluid therapy urine-specific gravity, the patient should be reassessed for hydration status and fluid therapy adjusted as indicated. That's enough fluid therapy for now. Check out our fifth podcast on leptospirosis for further treatment.